I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky spook spook things and talk horror <laughs> through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> if you're watching us on the YouTubes, hi, everybody on YouTube. You will Hello. see that we have a special guest. I'm taking over Brian's job right now, and I'm introducing this special, special <laughs> guest for this episode. As Brian likes to call us two hammies, and we're still two hammies. That's true. That's true. We're, we're still Yay. two hammies. Woo. Welcome, please, at Aaron J. Albano to the Woo. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we Hi, all everybody. know Aaron. Yes, uh, we all know Aaron through various different life things. Aaron and I were in a little play called Hamilton together <laughs> on the road, and now he Might left have heard me. Of it. Have you heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> and now he left me to be on Broadway's Hamilton, but you know what? It's fine. We forgive him and we let him be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so happy to have you. And Aaron, how let's let's tell the people how you know Brian and Jamie. Hi everybody. Um, well, I know Brian because many moons ago at this point, um, I was a guest on Broadwaysted, the one that started it all. Um and uh, I think, and we became really good friends since then. And I met Jamie through Brian um, and had the pleasure of going to their beautiful, beautiful wedding last year. Um, and yeah, and so that's sort of Wait, the story Aaron, in a nutshell. Were you on our Nope episode? Yes, I was. Oh, oh so go. listeners have heard you. I totally <laughs> forgot. I totally forgot. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I absolutely was. I was yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. LOL, LOL. Yeah, See, check out our this. Nope review. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear more about uh, Aaron's thoughts on that. Beautiful. Well, we brought Aaron on here because today we are talking about the American post-apocalyptic drama TV show, so many words, The Ooh. Last of Us. I'm sorry about your daughter, Joel. But I have lost people, too. You have no idea what loss is. Everybody I have cared for has either died or left me. Everybody fucking except for you! So don't tell me that I'd be safe with somebody else, because the truth is, I would just be more scared. You're right. You're not my daughter. And I sure as hell ain't your dad. Now come down. We're going our separate ways. And we have... Oh, that's great. We need a sound bite of just that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, more work for Brian. More work. That's our plan now is just to give more work for Brian. It's a fun Perfect. time for all of us, except for he Brian. He has so now. much time. So much time. 
So we're going to go through this entire TV series, and so we have a lot of ground to cover, but just some general gist things. The TV show was created by Craig Mazin and Neil Drunkman for HBO, and is based off of the 2013 video game of the same name, developed by Naughty Dog, and it stars Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Now, obviously, spoiler alerts, we're going to be hitting every single episode in this wonderful TV show, and Jamie, can you give us all the trigger warnings for this. Sure. It's a zombie show. So there are zombies eating human people. Uh, Also, it's a zombie show. It's a post-apocalyptic show. So if you are concerned that people might be doovy heads in the the apocalypse, (laughs) you're right. So if you don't want to see humans (laughs) doing terrible things to other humans, uh, murder, uh, assault, uh, cannibalism, anything terrible that you can, yeah, cannibalism, anything terrible that you can think of that a human would do to another human. Um, they either show you or is referenced. So all of that is my major trigger warning, but yes, there are, there are still insides on the outside disturbing mushroom people. If that is unpleasant to you, disturbing to look at, (laughs) then this might not be for you. They do a really good job at making them terrifying. Absolutely. Um, they mm-hmm. definitely need uh, all the nominations for the makeup department because wow, wow, mm. wow. Those mm-hmm. cordyceps are so fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Grand. Well, before we get into uh, all the things, producer Brian, give us a couple of words, please. Sure, absolutely. Hi, everybody. Uh, Producer Brian here. Um, I am on the YouTube as well with everybody. Hello. Um, We are here. It's very exciting. You can follow us wherever you get social media. Uh, That's at Talk Horror Pod. Um, We are on TikTok. We are on Twitter. We are on uh, Instagram. So check all of us out there. It's a very exciting time. We're almost at 12. Sorry, we're at 12K on TikTok. So that's super cool. Um, Also, I just want to remind people that during this episode, we are only going to talk about season one of The Last of Us. We will talk and spoil some of the video game stuff that didn't make it or was changed in the first season. We will not be talking about the second game at all. This is a spoiler-free second game podcast episode. We will not be talking about this major plot point. I'm kidding. We're not talking about anything... In season two. So you all you need to know is that you watch season one um, and you may or may not know the video game. Uh, just letting you know there. So um, cool. Awesome. Grand. And I have not even uh, gone through the second game. So, yes, we will not be spoiling anything for me until I play through because I now <laughs> need to know what is going to happen next before I watch this. <laughs> Beautiful. So let's get into it. We're going to go through it episode by episode. Producer Brian, can you tell us how we're going to go through everything? And then we'll just get started. Yeah. So we are going to go through this episode um, in third. So we're going to talk about the first three episodes. And then we're going to talk about the second three episodes. And then you guessed it. We're going to talk about the last three episodes. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll do a quick recap before we go into each one. So essentially, this will kind of be like our likes and gripes segment. We'll just go through all three of the the 
segment, and then we will get to an mm brains uh, like we typically do, and then we'll do the Rotten Tomatoes and 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 rate this whole season with the four S's. Um, but we're gonna break it down by thirds because I, there's just so much to cover here, mm-hmm. and I think it would be a little bit more conducive to a nice conversation and an organized conversation uh, that way. So I just want to set expectations for all of our listeners. Great. So with that, can we all go through? Well, first, Brian, do you want to give us the synopsis? And then we'll all go through and talk about our relationship with the game. And then we'll go into our likes and gripes of the three episodes. Cool. Um, So the first three episodes are uh, when you're lost in the darkness infected and long, long time. Uh, when you're lost in the darkness as the pilot episode, uh, we get Joel, his brother, Tommy, and then we also get, you know, how his daughter, Sarah, uh, died. And, uh, essentially we see the, um, real time understanding that the cordyceps are kind of taking over, uh, through the flower. Um, we flash forward 20 years later, and then Joel is in Boston at a Fedra station, um, a, fe- a Fedra quarantine zone. Um, he is told to basically um, take this girl, Ellie, to um, a Firefly, kind of like a rebel um, hospital. Um, and he agrees because he needs a car to find uh, his brother who is missing. Um, we find out that Ellie is infected. She says she is not. She is immune. Um, and then Joel kills a lot of the Fedra agents that are hunting them down. In episode two, it opens in Jakarta, Indonesia, where we see kind of uh, the first, the basically ground zero, patient zero for uh, this infection. Um, and we realize how truly horrifying and terrible this is. Um, here, we're following Joel and um, his partner, Tess, um, with Ellie around at the end. Um, Tess has to give her life in the state capital where they were supposed to hand over Ellie. Um, it wasn't a hospital. It was, a state, it was a, the, the, the um, state building. Um, she gives her life to save Ellie um, and Joel. And then episode three is one for the all-timers, the books. Um, uh, long, long time. Um, this is the Bill and Frank episode. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so <laughs> yes, cause if you know, you know, all you need to if say you know, is you know. Bill and Frank Honestly. and mm-hmm. everyone just starts weeping at those two. So yes, great. We'll have Aaron start since he is our guest and Aaron and I have a connection with this anyway. So Aaron can talk about how he brought me into the fold <laughs> of what is the beautifulness of the last of us. And then just talk to us about these uh, episodes. Sure. So um, I love these games. I have been, I have played both both part one and part two. I won't talk about part two, but outside of the fact that I played them all many, 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 many times, um, this was introduced to me a few. I want to say maybe like 2014, 2015. So a little bit, uh, a little bit after they were released, um, I had my PS4, and someone told me to buy this. I was like, "What is this? I don't like horror. I don't like any of this." Um, and I played through it, and I was hooked. Um, I absolutely loved it, and I played it again. I love trophies in um, in PlayStation, so that's when I got very um, obsessed with this game um, and played it over and over and over and over again. Fast forward to me being on tour, and Nikisha gets a PS4, to which I buy this game for her immediately. <laughs> yes. It is definitely like the Cadillac of games, but it's also like not a game to jump in when you haven't played 
anything ever. So she was struggling with us thing, a little bit. I was on the big struggle bus, okay? Because let me just say to defend myself that the only reason I really got the PS4 was to play Mortal Kombat because that is my <laughs> speed, okay? It has the horror, but you only, when you go forward, you go forward. When you go back, you go back. So trying to play this game and one controller is where your eyes are facing and the other is your body moving. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was a lot. Because I wanted to buy it for because it's the best game ever made. But then I was like, oh, the learning curve's quite severe. So instead, (laughs) let us all, let's just like come over every like, Thursday and we'll just play through the game and we played through the game. She I and at first like we were switching off and then after a while I just played it and she just watched, which was equally just as fun. Um yes. and again, I and, and and we played through part one, we played through no, we did not play through Left Behind. No, we just Left played Behind. through part one. Okay, yeah, so I watched it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and that is the story of the way I got her, uh, got Nikisha into The Last of Us. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. So now, Aaron, do you want to just talk about your kind of likes and gripes in the first couple of episodes? And now our likes and gripes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, again, so because I'm such a severe, um, is purist the right word? I mean, yes, but I could, just because yeah. I love these games <laughs> so much. Um, I was very apprehensive coming into this series um, just because I was like the historically the the video game um translations into tv have not been great and so i was a little nervous with my favorite story of all time being transferred and these three episodes like really hit the ground running for me um they were so good it just the the cold opens of all of the first two specifically um i love those especially episode 2 i would say that's my like of me arguably the entire season only because the way the reveal of a it being in in Jakarta and just it, the the more um more um fleshed out that the series got from the game because we didn't know anything about the cordyceps um fungus in the game because you were just playing as Joel um introducing the doctor introducing how it travels and introducing what like the the way that um the world had decided to sort of deal with this fungus on top of the brilliant acting of that woman i don't i knew her name for like the the month after that episode but i've forgotten it since. yes um yeah but like she she was so good she was so good in that in, in that like cold open maybe what 10 minutes of the episode she it was so good. It was a long cold the, open. Yeah. Literally, the second mm-hmm. she says "bomb," I lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yep. her her tea her what like when the camera is just on her and the tea yeah. is just shaking from her from uh, Christine Hakim, I believe her name yes. is. It it she's so it's so good. Um, that episode. So that there's a lot of likes in these three episodes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. My 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 special special my. Especially my um, love of the third episode, and I think we can all go here. Um, the, the show is so strong, but especially as a purist of the game, because I walked in being like, all right, what's this going to be? Okay, he's going to be a perfect Bill, thinking that it's going to be all the scenes from the game. And then it took such a severe left turn where I was I was like, oh, oh, what? Oh, okay. 
oh, now I get to watch this as a first-time viewer, where the first two episodes I essentially oh, sure. knew that's exactly what was right. going to happen. And that's an, that's the super whole, interesting. The whole season, I was like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. I can actually watch this. So those of you who know, and I've talked about this many a time at this point, I usually like to stack and binge all of these like pre- prestige shows because this show, I knew exactly what was going to happen, or thought I did. I was just... I, I watched it from week to week so I could participate in the conversation. Um, and this and this third episode was like, oh, oh, I don't know any of this. Okay, great. Let's just watch <laughs> it. And, of course, gagged like everybody else. Yeah, um, which is so funny yeah. because Aaron and I were in communication like as we were watching it week to week. And it was funny to have the conversation uh, to kind of hone in on Aaron's point of the third episode being like watching it for the first time and thinking, well, how is everything else going to be in the show? Are they going to expand certain things? Are we going to get through the first game in this season mm-hmm. if we're expanding on characters yeah. uh, like in this capacity? So it was really fun to just <clears throat> have that complete left shift in in episode three and then think, well, then how was the rest of the game? Like, is it just no holds barred now? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. for, for those of you who have never played the game um, but did watch the series, in the game, mm-hmm. uh, basically Ellie and um, Ellie and Joel go to uh, Bill's um, and uh, they meet Bill. Bill is still alive in the game. And in the game... Um, it's never outwardly said, but it's very heavily uh, assumed or inferred uh, mm-hmm. that he had this relationship with Frank. And in the game, they run into basically Frank's hanged body. Um, yeah. and it's so, not a good relationship like it is in the show. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there still is that scene. I think I'm skipping into the next three, but there is that scene in the car with the uh, pornographic uh, <laughs> magazine. So all, yes. I, I, mentioned, yeah. I mentioned that because, you know, it was... I mean, and this game, this game is also very much about um, about sexuality and like who you are and and how you define that in a post apocalyptic world, um, or how you don't need to. You just need to find human connection. Um, and um, so, I just wanted to point out how the the TV show took something that was actually on the sidelines and pretty tragic and turned it into something quite beautiful, which reminded me of the, if anyone watched The Magicians, um, Mm. reminded me Mm. of one of the best Magicians episodes. um, Oh, man. uh, That uh, is one of the best episodes, like, ever of any TV show. Um, Oh, wow. But uh, I never watched that show because I love those books. Oh, I think you would love the show or hate it, but I think you would get a (laughs) case. You'd hate watch it or love watch it. Anyway, back to you, Aaron. I just wanted to uh, point that out. No, that's good. And, 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 yeah, so that... That's pretty much all all of mine. Um, I think the I think the show with these first three episodes definitely with the first two episodes sort of signaled to the to the world, but also to the to the diehard gamers being like, we got you. This is this is what you know. This is how we like are taking care of you because you were our first fans. And then with episode three, they were like, all right, so we should you know how we got you? We still got you, but you're not going to know what's happening. And I think they did that masterfully. Yeah. I also think that this show gets a pass because um, Neil Druckmann is is writing it 
And oh, yes. So, like, it's very different than, like, Benioff and Weiss changing J.R.R. Martin's, like, yeah. uh, uh, um, mm-hmm. s- source material versus somebody who, like, probably wanted to add a lot of this into the game or time has changed and people exactly. have changed since 2013 mm-hmm. yep. and he can do something more. But 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 fundamentally keeping it the exact same oh, um, yes. questions and content across. Like, when we get to part three... They built it so well, starting in episode one, that the final question that you're left with in the final episode still gives you the same emotional feeling and impact that the game does. But it actually enhances it, and and I'm excited to talk about that. But anyway, back to you, Nikisha. Grand. Well, now let's go to uh, Jamie. Can you talk about your likes and gripes of the first three episodes? Yeah. So, oh, so I actually did not myself play through the games. I did not have a PlayStation at the time that these games came out. So in deciding whether or not I wanted to buy a PlayStation, I was like, let me just watch some of like a no commentary walkthrough just to get a feel for it and see if I want to get one. And then I started watching and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever watched. I don't even care about getting the PlayStation. I'm just going to watch this like a movie, a very long movie, because I'm watching this whole person play this game. Um, yes. But <laughs> I love, I, 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 as a side note, I love watching like no commentary gameplay because um, I'm a huge nerd. But um, I love this series so much. Um, I, like Aaron, was like very anxious about the idea of them you know, making an adaptation for TV, as you can look at the history of other video game adaptations and see it's, uh, there's a lot of stinky poo-poo. Um, so lots of stinky poo-poo. Oh man. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I mean, with the casting, I got more excited. And then when, uh, Craig Mazin was signed on since he did Chernobyl, I was even more excited because if you haven't seen Chernobyl, that that is a show with a capital S. It's it's just so effective, um, and so you can Very. like see, you know, okay, I, I have an idea of like what they can do. I really hope that they can pull this off. And like, not only were they like wildly successful in creating this adaptation, but like, yeah, just the things that they enhanced to this story that like are really important in mm-hmm. in like a story versus a game where like maybe people want to you know shoot more of the zombies whatever versus mm. the the character development i mean there's still so much character development in this game it's it's truly wild um yeah but again like you know even in thinking about the bill and frank stuff it's just like this isn't just your typical zombie game or like zombie apocalypse movie show whatever it's just so much Mm -hmm. more about the people and they just did Mm -hmm. such a good job at like really focusing on human relationships and like what what happens to people when they're like going through a crisis when they're going through like a prolonged crisis for people whose lives have been fundamentally upended for people who have grown up in this experience so they don't even know what like you know before this all happened what that was like um and uh, yeah, I, I'm like so. I was just so like uh, emotional after watching everything. 
Um, yes. Anyway, that wasn't anything specific. I just had to had to <laughs> share all of that. But um, yes, even like knowing what was going to happen, like I still cried time and time again when I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I sobbed in that Bill and Frank episode, like ugly, gross tears and snot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But but I just yeah, it was so important to like see that story in particular and like you know, people choosing to end something on their own terms. Um, but like also mm-hmm. having like fully lived out a life that was like fulfilling. And I don't feel like we get that a lot of times in the apocalypse. So that felt yeah. like a really important story to tell. Um, yeah, that, that just like really stands out to me. Um, I also agree about like the cold open for episode two that starts in Jakarta. Was I mean, the first episode and the second episode – the beginning was terrifying. Like that's yeah. just like, yes. you know, all this information that we're getting about like, well, what if like this happens? Like this could be a really scary thing that no one's really taking seriously. Now, right. like think about where we're at now in present time where, oh, you know, sure. global warming yes. is happening. And like, you know, I mean, I think people are talking about cordyceps because they're watching this show. But like how many yeah. more articles have I seen about like cordyceps and like fungal things and, and, you know, things evolving and like, it's creepy. It's terrifying. So it just, it felt it like, you know, planted the seed in my brain of like, oh, this is like really scary. Not to mention obviously like experiencing a global pandemic now. Um, On top of that. Yeah. So it's just like. So feeling like you're that much closer mm -hmm. to something like that happening is in itself just scary. Yeah. It's terrifying. And I I just think that like the framing of that um and also like how they changed like the differences between the cordyceps in the game versus in here like you know we don't have in the game um anytime you're in like a heavily infected area you have to put on a mask so that you don't breathe mm-hmm. in spores they like completely yes. eliminated that for the show because then you just yes. have like you know, Mandalorian part deux where everyone's wearing masks everywhere. Um, (laughs) and it's like, okay, someone's already dead that. Um, so, so I, but I really liked the changes. I liked the idea of the cordyceps being interconnected and so like they can come anytime. Um, I also, I think there's way more Fedra, um, interaction in the game. And I like that they take some of that out to focus on like how they're navigating with the clickers, but it still doesn't feel like a super heavy zombie thing. Cause I think in like, right. yeah. uh, in episode two, I think around that time where like Tess is, um, is, uh, like bitten is infected. Um, she, the she stops Fedra from coming after them, but they switch yeah, it yeah. to the, right. To the, right. um, infected. So, I like all of those changes. I I don't feel like we lost anything anytime they like shifted slightly from the source material to make it more accessible for a TV series. I I feel like they were so thoughtful about all of these changes. Um, and so those are all of my likes. I don't think I have a gripe. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I'll add to that because uh, it basically is the same for me. 
I really enjoyed knowing what was going to happen and seeing what would change because I was also watching it with my uh, roommate who didn't know anything about it. So it was really fun just oh, kind of... Oh, that's a really cool experience. Yeah. So it was fun, like, kind of answering her questions about things or, you know, kind of going back and reflecting or her being like, did that happen in the game or did that? Especially the third episode, I was like, girl, I don't know what that was, but that was beautiful and it was never <laughs> in the game. <laughs> But we're all just like sitting on the couch crying, like, what did we just watch? But um, to Jamie's point, I really did uh, enjoy some of the changes. And I think that nothing that happened that was different took away. But it was still and it was still sad to see characters dying like Tess dying um, in a really cool way, actually, because I I do love the kind of the tentacles of the cordyceps and, and things. I just loved how all of the makeup was definitely enjoyed the setup of the show as well. Um, you know, it, it really does put you immediately in that danger. I love all the Easter eggs from the show right down to Sarah's like T-shirt, the same T-shirt that she had like in mm-hmm. the game. And it was also really nice interacting with TikTok in, in this and kind of being mm. in that world and seeing people point out certain things or say like, this is what was different or, mm-hmm. you know, because... Um, it had been a minute since we had played the game yeah. uh, when the ep- when these episodes uh, came out, so it was still kind of remembering. Okay, well, what exactly happened, or how was it? And then when Tess died, it was like, wait, I don't think that's how she died in the game. Like, let me go back and see, and mm. then you know, realizing like, some of the differences and stuff. So it was really fun to interact with it in that way. Um, and yeah, Ron Swanson will always be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> He can do no wrong in my eyes, and it was just beautiful representation, which I think is especially needed now. And I think it was kind of believable in a sense of someone who is alone, um, wanting to have that human connection in some kind of way, even if they are kind of stubborn and have uh, learned how to just be with themselves and are okay with being with themselves. You know, there's just no substitution for human connection, which leads me to a human behavior question for Jamie real quick, real quick. Mm -hmm. Do you think at some point, and this is like just basic human behavior, so this is like your opinion on, on the matter. Do you think at some point, a person living on their own would need another human to keep sane. Like, could you completely cut off no contact with a human and still function at full mental capacity? Oof. I mean, <clears throat> I definitely, I feel like. Good question. Good yeah, question. that's a great question. Everybody round of applause. I mean, yeah, like I, I think that not having that social interaction for a significant period of time would be like hugely detrimental to somebody's mental health. I mean, like think about um, uh, like isolation as as punishment in the criminal justice system, mm-hmm, and like what's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what's the what's the intention behind that, and like it just causes you know significant a significant negative impact on on your mental health and wellness. So yeah, I, I yeah, feel Tom, like Tom Hanks started talking to a volleyball. Like I've seen it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that is. Exactly what I mean, a hundred percent. You are correct. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like you know seeking out that connection is is probably mm. like would be pretty high on people's lists to survive. Like, even though you know there is the isolationist mindset of like the other people are dangerous, so like I have to keep my distance. Right. But 
Right. I also still think that even with that in mind, you know, it's different when you're choosing to keep people away because, like, it's that's mm-hmm. the choice that you're making versus, like, you lose access to people. And then it's like, yeah. oh, now, mm-hmm. like, even if you wanted to, you can't. Um, and what does that mean for someone? So, yeah. Yeah, like having the choice. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to say, I'm going to isolate by myself, but it's another thing that this is now the world because other people could be not safe mm-hmm. and then you don't have the choice anymore. Yeah, and yeah that's that's definitely understandable. Uh, also want to talk about, because I don't think we brought it up, just how perfect the casting was all around for all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, truly down to the point of I really loved seeing the people from the video game in here. So, like, mm-hmm. it's the same Marlene, Marlene right? Marlene, Merle that, Dandridge. Mm-hmm. Broadway's yes. Merle Dandridge. Broadway's yes. Merle Dandridge. <laughs> Which was just gorgeous. And then when we talk about other episodes, we'll see other people from, mm-hmm. from the game. But another thing that was really nice in the game in general and how it's it's made, I think it's so beautiful. It's because Aaron was just showing me how they create the the scenes for the game and how it's like people actually just doing these movements and acting. And I think that that is really what kind of brings you in because you just think, I mean, halfway through the game, I was thinking, why am I so invested in these characters? But it's like, I'm watching a movie and I'm seeing people actually doing these things. And it was just how they created not only the story, but the way that they decided to create this game with these, with these incredible actors uh, really just as a, adds only to how great this the whole show is and the whole premise of this is so yeah those are all my lights and gripes i don't have any gripes uh uh, about these first three episodes three episode three at that point episode three was my favorite it changes as we go on sure but i will say that episode three and that moment was like okay i'm down Mm -hmm. if i had if i had like a mini gripe like it would be the fact and if you know the game you know this the fact that we didn't get any scenes with Nick Offerman and Bella Ramsey. Mm. That sure. would have been very cool. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's mm-hmm, fair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the one thing that I was like, oh, well, they didn't get to act with each other. But that's a good one. You yeah, know, mini. Um, yeah, I I echo everything that you've all said. The one thing that I do want to add is the game is so good because the narrative is so good. And when Jamie and I watched it through again, I have not also played it. I watched it through with uh, Jamie. Uh, uh, my first time, her second time when the second game came out during the pandemic, the lockdown, um, we, uh, we watched one and two. And what I want to say is it's one of, uh, I know it's, I'm speaking for Jamie, but it's one of her favorite narratives. Like we, when we talk about this constantly, like just everything about it, and what I think that the the TV show does, and I know this is going to sound like, well, it's a TV show, duh, Brian. But I thought that <laughs> I thought that it is yes. visually telling an incredible narrative. It's doing so much work visually that, like, if you cut dialogue from a lot of these episodes, you would still get the same emotional impact. So, mm. for instance, the we talked about them, the uh, cold opens, because the first episode's cold open is that 1968 talk show that is right. setting up all of the... Um, one, it's taking place in 1968, a very tumultuous time in U.S. history where you get, you know, um, Martin Luther King and Kennedy had already been assassinated and 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 Robert Kennedy. And, and it just it culturally a, a, a crazy time. And then you get these, you know, you're talking about the future of 
climate um, control, like Jamie had mentioned, um, and tying it into the cordyceps. And then you have the second one, Jakarta. I just think that that is doing so much work and heavy lifting without feeling like boring exposition. But more importantly, to jump off of what Nikisha said, the casting is incredible because we feel like we know these characters as someone who has played and watched the game, but also we the, the actors are so good at being those characters, but also making it their own, that I never felt like I wanted Ashley Johnson, or I never felt like I want, like, I, I never was yearning for these these other versions of these characters. But their emotional stakes and the emotional journeys of these characters is all done visually. Mm. Um, in the first one, you have Joel clutching Sarah, and then you have that reflected later on in the season. You have, at the end of se- episode one, you have Joel snapping and attacking the Fedra agent and then you see that little smirk from um from Ellie, Ellie showing that like yeah. she's not Sarah because Sarah's the one who was horrified that her dad hit the old woman with the um with the right, lead pipe. Right, right. Then in episode two, you <laughs> have our first real introduction into the cordyceps, you know, the the runners or whatever they're called. Um <coughs> because, you know, um it, the one that attacks um uh, Tess, you know, in the game you hear them screaming, like 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 they're trapped inside because they're not zombies. They're basically taking over your bodily functions, and you're in there. So like yeah. that moment, that visual of the face and the kind of cordyceps coming out of the mouth into Tess, like you you see the horrified nature, not of Tess, but of the actual like person who's still in there, which is horrifying. And then so you have all of that. And then just in the Bill and uh, Frank episode alone, there are so many things. Like, he serves the same dinner to him on their last night as they did their first night. But he puts the plate down wrong so that Frank can read, like, just like their first date, Frank can spin the plate. They're drinking the same bottle. And the difference is that Frank isn't playing him in the last episode, in the last moment. I believe that Frank is... likes him but like is playing a part like you have to survive and like he's taking advantage of bill but they they fall in love for each other uh with each other and like the visual storytelling in that last episode is just as effective um across the board plus the visual storytelling tells you exactly where in the timeline this is happening because you have those moments with the radio with like tess and then them coming to dinner and him and joel not really getting along so Mm -hmm. i think if anything these first three episodes do such a visually stunning job of storytelling and i didn't even mention the um museum scene in episode two with the incredible cordyceps makeup that we talked about <laughs> previously like yeah um and then the score is amazing if yeah. you took out all the dialogue i still would totally understand what's happening mm-hmm. and i think that that is the true of these three episodes specifically that is the true achievement to piggyback on on yeah. what you just said about the score because yeah because visual storytelling but also <laughs> aud- auditory storytelling for lack of a better term like mm. the score they Took this just the score from the sh- from the game into the sh- into uh, Gustavo Santo Santolala, I think is his, is the composer's name. Mm-hmm. He's it's so good because not only did they just say hey this was too strong we need to just use it in the show they did what scores do and just like apply the emotional attachment to the score to the moments that the score brings. Like my favorite aspect of that is the moment you were just talking about, Brian, where Frank is leading him into the bedroom where they're going to go 
uh, die together. That's the same music as when um, the giraffes come at the end of at episode one. Ah, like so, yeah. it, they're both. I just got these moments of giraffe lo- like, pimples. <laughs> <laughs> it's both these moments of like love and giraffe hope bumps. and 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 like it's that where it's like, oh, you've really connected these stories in a very visceral, yeah. emotional way where you can, we know what these, the people who do know and the people who don't, like the score tells such a beautiful story that you can, yeah, you could take away all the dialogue and you know exactly how this this story is supposed to feel. Yeah, I want to I want to add two things before we move on to the next section. The first one is that um, the, um, the composer, Gustavo, also did... Um, Brokeback Mountain, and that Brokeback Mountain oh. score is incredible. But also, it's so like that bow 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 bow. Like it's so ingrained, and we yeah. associate that with the not not just the love of two men, um, but with the d- connection, that idea of needing connection. Mm. And I think that even if you don't realize it, I think it's subconsciously that guitar. Um, obviously, the guitar is a huge piece of this, too, because in the last few episodes, yeah. he's talking about, like, do you want to teach? I can teach you and all that stuff. Um, yeah. um, but I think that's also fascinating to kind of use our senses against us or for us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I didn't mention is the placement of episode three. And I know that's where it comes in the game. But Druckmann and Mason's ability to choose to do that hopeful, beautiful episode after we've just been bombarded by two hopeless, deeply sad episodes, undercutting all of that, I think Mm -hmm. gave us enough hope for the next six episodes. Like, I think the power of the third episode is making sure that during the next six episodes, you know that a happy ending is possible. It's it's a happy ending within the context of this awful post-apocalyptic world, but a happy ending nonetheless. So I think that that really helps this show move forward where that episode actually happens, especially after the death of Tess, Mm. after, you know, after Joel's, you know, awful awful loss of his daughter and mm-hmm. how Fedra working against him and, and all of that. I, I just think that's kind of brilliant and how it sets up for the next six episodes. For sure. Well, on that note, let's get the next, let's get into the next three episodes. Sure. So the next three episodes are please hold to my hand, uh, endure and survive and kin, uh, and please hold my hand. The, um, <clears throat> the uh, journey takes them through Missouri. Uh, they go through Kansas City. Um, and this is where uh, they're trying to make their way out of Kansas City. Um, and uh, you have Kathleen, uh, a new character added to this. Just so you know, in the game, it's Pittsburgh. In this show, it is Kansas City. So we're just moving a little bit further uh, west to get us to our destination. Um, and then they meet uh, Sam and Henry at the end of the episode. Episode five. Um, is uh, the Henry and Sam episode, as we'll call it. Um, So Joel and Ellie working with Sam and Henry to escape. They go underneath kind of the um, the city into what was once like an underground kindergarten class um, where other people were living. And then they escape out of the city. And then at the end, um, we have the Henry and Sam sequence that will forever be burned into our skulls. Um, and <laughs> My then we, God. I know. And then we have Kin. This is a couple of months after Sam and Henry 
And we finally get to Jackson, Wyoming. We see Tommy there. We see what life could be like in a community um, where everybody puts in the same amount of effort. Um, it's it's kind of a utopia and a haven. We get True Blood's Tara, of course, because it wouldn't be an HBO show without <laughs> that. Um, what does she uh, say? Yes. We're, it's, we're, it's a commune. We're communists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we and get Tommy the, freaks out. Tommy mm-hmm. freaks out. Amazing scene. We get the most famous scene from the video game um reproduced here um in the i'm not your dad um everyone fucking leaves me except for you um Mm -hmm. i'm gonna tear up talking about it um and then joel Mm -hmm. and ellie decide ellie chooses joel um let me rephrase that joel allows ellie to have the choice um to um choose joel to go to the hospital in colorado they get to the hospital in colorado where the fireflies are it is totally abandoned except for some raiders um they get into a scuffle and joel is stabbed by one of the raiders um those are the three episodes so nikisha back to you yeah, great. And I, I would love to start this off just because I have been watching this in conjunction with The Walking Dead. And we have talked about that in previous oh, episodes. Oh, that's right. Where are you? So it's I am on season four, in okay. the middle of season four. Okay. Uh, so all that, that the, to say, that the uh, they just left the prison. They, they left the they prison. They just okay. left the prison. Because okay, okay. everything just went down with the governor <laughs> and all the things. Oh, yeah. So. Woo! Spoilers oh, for Walking heart. Dead. <laughs> As well as Walking Dead, that was so long ago, which it's it's very dated, and sometimes you can tell. But my point is, is that in watching this uh, in conjunction with The Walking Dead, I was getting a, a little bored at not seeing gore. Hmm. And y'all know sure. me, Maury. I, I need more gore. Right. All, always more. Maury. More gore. Uh, <laughs> okay. And so, Maury. That's what it is. The voice more. And so, in episode... I do like Maury. That's also great. <laughs> oh, well, Maury. Maury is great. <laughs> more gory. Uh, so, in, in watching this, like, my last note for episode four was, like, I haven't seen much of the infected or, like, fights with the infected and I know that they explain that in kind of the after credits when they talk about the show. And a lot of it is the gameplay of actually like fighting the things. And so how do you do that? Because it can't just be a whole TV show of you just like fighting the things, which I totally understand and I get. But at that point, I was just saying more infected because the makeup is so great and gorgeous. And I want to see mm-hmm. more of that kind of um, development, especially because The Walking Dead is so heavy mm. On all of the zombies sure. and all of the gore and all of the killing in conjunction with character development and all the stuff. So I was just kind of missing that in, in the world of The Last of Us. So that is my only gripe uh, for the series in general. And it was nice to get introduced to Kathleen. It was also one of those moments of, I don't remember her in the game. What is this? And then they say, oh, yeah, she's new in the game or in, in, the, in the series, in the world. And so um, that was interesting because it was... Also kind of nice to see, like, communities being built up because, like, The Walking Dead, there's, like, a lot of different communities, but, you know, there's things hidden behind the communities, and that is in itself conflict, which I enjoy seeing that. And it is scary just to see people against people. And so that is kind of, like, what kept me in it, even though I didn't see a lot of infected. It was the conflict of, like, these groups and people trying to navigate just living in the world, which is, again, scary in itself and, you know, enough gore for that. So when Sam and Henry come in, 
mind blown because I love the representation of Sam being deaf. I think that we need so much more of that. And I think it was just beautiful to see that. And it hurt even more knowing what his fate was going to be. A perfect change from the game. A A perfect perfect change. change. And then it just makes it even more sad when... Ellie has, when we have the whole scene of her saying her blood is medicine, wow, talk about the tears. Forget it, yeah. Because in the game, if I'm remembering it correctly, in the game, you just wake up the next day and Sam is already infected. They don't have that night before together speaking. Mm -hmm. So that was such a powerful moment for Ellie to think that she could save him and, and she couldn't because then you have the inner conflict within herself of is this going to even work? Like, what are we even working towards? Which I think when Sam and Henry have their ultimate demise, that shift in Ellie when they're burying them and she's just kind of, you know, stoic face. It was just such, so great to, to watch because that absolutely makes sense. She has this conflict with what just happened in the first place on top of her thinking like, well, what are we even doing this for if I can't help? If there's a possibility, you know, that I, my blood won't work and and I can't help the people, you know, all the stuff. So I thought that that was just beautiful. Hashtag endure and survive always. And mm-hmm. then for the season, uh, sorry, episode six, that was my least favorite episode. That's when we do meet uh, the brother and we're sure. there. And just because it felt like a lot of di- they were trying to fit a lot of things in at once. And it just wasn't as cohesive as some of the other episodes were. So it just felt a little bit all over the place. But I do love the representation of uh, the Diva Cup for Ellie because absolutely post-apocalyptic world doesn't mean that you just stop menstruating. So that was wonderful oh, to yeah. just put that out. And the tam- Tampons mm-hmm. in the previous episodes, um, right. when yes. she's in the basement, finds the tampons and then like stabs the zombie, the the cordyceps guy in the head, like mm. kind of like yes. fooling around with it. I for, we didn't talk about that, but that's another point in journey in Ellie's journey to like where mm-hmm. she's going. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, yeah, and I, and I think it's just it's so smart because. Even like sometimes in The Walking Dead, you're kind of like, okay, these people are you know not functioning like as as humans sometimes, but in this one, it was just really nice to have that little bit of detail. It just helps so much. Add it adds to everything, and I love the shot for shot when Ellie is yelling at Joel and like Brian said the whole the whole scene, uh, and then the favorite 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 part. Because when I was playing the game with Aaron and we get to the point where Joel has the little, he falls and and is like stabbed through his stomach. And in the game, you're holding the control, which I wish I was, but Aaron was and he was telling me what was happening. You're feeling Joel's heartbeat, right? And then it like slowly goes away. And then the next thing is they pan and you're playing as Ellie and you don't know where you are. You're just like running around like what is happening? And so I was just so excited at that point because I was watching with my friend and she was like, is Joel actually like dead? What what is happening? You know, (laughs) but I just think that. In the game, it's so cool in that moment to play because because of that, because it, it was just such a powerful um, kind of thing to think like, well, what is actually going to happen next? And I think that that translated well in the in the show of like, OK, what is going to happen next? We don't know, you know, so and especially because the next episode when we get into it is left behind. 
So then you're like, you have a whole episode of not even knowing where Joel is or what's happening. So um, I think that was a really nice setup into putting that uh, episode right after that. So yeah, those are my likes and gripes. Jamie? Yeah. I mean, you said that all of the things that I was thinking and feeling, um, I think that Kathleen, adding Kathleen to the story was really strong again, because it's just like, we're getting more people, humans being humans, doing human things in, in moments of crises and like, you know, turning into like the essentially thing that she hated the most. Like she ends up becoming no better than Fedra. Um, and it's right. like, you know, we get some really good scenes with her and, and like, she's a very compelling leader, but also it's like, mm, this, there's going to be some tension here with Joel and Ellie. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I thought that that was a really, and a really good like segue into connecting us with Henry and Sam, like knowing that we're going to get their story, but mm-hmm. yeah, figuring out like, how do we, how do we meet them in a way that like makes sense and, um, and like, again, like enhances the story that we're already getting. Um, especially if you, if you know what happens to them, it's like, okay, how are they going to like build this, this like strong connection for the impact of what happens next to like be so great. And again, like it's still what happens in the game, but I I definitely think that that conversation between Ellie and Sam, it's just, it, it like, it just breaks. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's so, it's so upsetting. Cause like she doesn't fully understand what's going on and like only has mm-hmm. so much information, right. which also is just like such a weight to give to a young person of like, yeah. what does this mean for, you know, the future of humanity? And like, you're so important. That responsibility is so big, which I'm sure we'll get mm-hmm. into when we talk about the last episode, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, all yeah. she knows is that she's the savior of humanity. Oh, uh, yeah, like, no big what deal. What do you do with that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it just, I, again, I cried some more. I also was really excited when the bloater was introduced. Um, yeah, Especially in the, yes. <laughs> shout out to the bloater. <laughs> Round of applause to the bloater. <laughs> That's the gore I wanted. That whole that, sequence. I literally. forgot about that. That was the best sequence. Yeah, because I remember I was like, so oh, this is, there's like a, a zombie horde that happens in this part of the game from what I remember. Because you are you play as Joel up at the top and like shooting all yeah. the zombies to protect um, Ellie and them from, from getting bit. And I, remember, I like mm-hmm. remembered that from watching the game. Um, so I was like, when they alluded to something under the surface, I think in the fourth episode, I'm just like, ooh, are we going to get another different type of zombie? Maybe we'll get a bloater this time and like getting really excited. And then did, I don't know if this was like supposed to happen, but did it like slow-mo when the bloater's introduced? Like the whole, it like slow so. zoomed on so, him. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, why is time uh, yeah. stopping? I thought I thought right. that like HBO like messed up on our TV. I was like, is this weird? Like, what? it felt like weird and romantic to zoom in on him and then to zoom in on um, on what's his face who's playing Kathleen's number two, but he was also Perry. in games. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, he played I, Tommy in the game. Yeah, I was like, what yeah, is this, yeah, like, yeah. their locking eyes moment that we're getting right now, which I thought was really funny. Um, but, yeah, great, great introduction of another terrifying type of infected. Um, and that was just, like, a really good, like, yeah, it, it went from, like, this deeply, deep emotional cut to, like, all right, we're back in the action. Like, let's yeah. let's get moving. Yeah, we got to get out. Sure. We got to... Um, I mean, if then, I was yeah. a makeup artist on uh, The Last of Us, I would want that scene in slow motion because uh, <laughs> that's incredible, incredible Epic. prosthetics. Epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Kathleen gets hers and it's very satisfying. So we do get like some of those yes. really satisfying moments um, as well as then the deeply heartbreaking. So Henry and Sam are gone. It's your, everything is sad, but then we end up in Jackson and everything is great again. Um, there's no, there's no sad emotions here anymore. Um, no sad emotions. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it is really interesting to see like the, just how deeply affected Ellie is experiencing and witnessing all of these like horrible traumas, how that is impacting her character. And like, you know, does that then make this idea of her being like the savior even more compelling? Cause it's like, Oh, could I have saved them? I I just witnessed like these people I care about again, Mm -hmm. lose, you know, what, what can I do? Like there, this has to be worth it. Like we're seeing that inter internal narrative, like be building up for her. Um, and it's just so powerful, but I, I was really excited when they got to Wyoming. I really like their, their whole little base. Um, it's, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for more, uh, more, but, um, yeah, I will say to your point, it, it was really nice to see a community that doesn't get destroyed Yeah, mm-hmm. because that happens a lot in the walking dead. You find a community and then the community is gone. <laughs> So in this one, it was nice yeah. to say, okay, here's here's a community that is thriving mm-hmm. and we don't see any kind of destruction or violence mm-hmm. within this. Like they really are and equals and like care about each yeah. other and like have figured out a system where there isn't this like inner, like people trying to take over, like they're, it, it's right. as equitable as they can make it and, and it's right. really working for them and it's great. And like, I, it, it definitely makes me curious about like, how do they keep the system in place? How do they prevent things like mm. that from happening? Is it like the type of people that are there? Like these are like the questions that like, you know, playing the game, watching this make me think about because we don't see, I, I feel like we don't see a lot of that in in other post-apocalyptic things. It's like, right. it's pretty mm-hmm. much just like someone figured out how to take control and like they're a terrible leader and people yep. are doing terrible things and we're always getting the narrative of like humans are bad like if given the opportunity they will just yeah. do terrible things and like not here like here something is going right they figured it out yeah yeah, yeah. well the walking dead has given me ptsd for communities um, <laughs> yeah like I, I i even though i knew that jackson was fine in this season like i was I was like, oh, are they going to just do The Walking Dead? We're like, you know, fuck me. Like, I guess we're going to have to move somewhere else. Like, Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Always. Yeah. yeah. 
But, Grant, yeah. Jamie, is that all you have for that? Uh, yeah, because you talked about <laughs> you. Oh, yeah, the part when like Ellie takes over in the game is so. Mm-hmm. Oh, my only gripe is that like I wanted more bow and arrow, um, and we didn't sure. get any uh, of that here. Choices, um, choices. But you know, that's like the minorest of of gripes. <laughs> Sure. Absolutely. Brian, do you want to um, piggyback? Yeah, um, I'll just say a couple things. The bloater looked amazing. Um, I loved the night before scene with Sam that we're all talking about for two reasons. One, mm. um, it adds to Ellie's fear because yeah. she, part of her is like, maybe this works and maybe I figured it out and that yeah. is who I am. Um, and then when it doesn't work, it one adds to the compound fear and uncertainty that she has and her need and dependency on Joel to create some sort of sort of sort of stability. But it also helps us to explain later why they just can't take her blood. Um, you know, so yeah. like that kind of adds to that Two, I love the detail that Sam is looking away because Sam in the middle of the night, I'm sure got up and sat away because to save Ellie, because he's deaf and he knew that if he was facing away, then it would give Ellie, the extra like minute or two to like comprehend what was happening because the cordyceps wouldn't be able to hear her they're using his body and he understands what his body offers um i thought that was just wonderful um one not next i really liked melanie linsky as kathleen um i thought that um it fed into the overall a lot of the themes um, that not only this season has, but the whole series will in the end have if they follow game two in terms of um, thematics. Um, I thought that she was as equally charismatic as um, Jamie said, as she was brutal. Um, I think that um, I really like how they set up Fedra specifically in this city as a true monster. So it almost undercut how much of a monster they were as well in a positive way. Um, I thought that the theme of children's bedrooms um, was, was interesting. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. She goes to her kid bedroom with her brother who she misses so much. And at the end, yeah. she ends up being killed by a child cordycep um, who's wearing a blues clues t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and then on the flip oh, side of things uh, you have the, conversation between Ellie and Joel in a child's room. Um, and then in the first one, you have Sarah's room as well in the first three episodes, I should say. So that, that's that been fascinating. Um, I don't know why, but I love that the Goodbye Girl is the movie that they would watch at Jackson. Um, I think that was great. You know, there was a lot of things to talk about why that movie was chosen, but in the end, I love that it was. Um, when we're talking about Joel and Sam, uh, excuse me, Henry and Sam as a foil for Joel and Ellie, I think that this show does an excellent job of show again visual storytelling showing how much that affected joel in that moment mm-hmm. i would even say even more than ellie because one he has to protect ellie and like explain and try to like help this child to comprehend what would just happen two mm-hmm. um the henry and sam are clearly him Joel seeing himself and Ellie in those two characters, which is even more effective here because of the reveal that's not in the game that's in the show in the last episode, which is that Mm. he literally sees Henry lose Sam and, and Henry immediately kills himself. Yep. Like no choice. That is my purpose. An Mm. exact He knows exactly what was going through his head in that moment because that's the exact Mm -hmm. same thing that went through his head. Mm -hmm. Um, That Joel's literally like, and you know, like, for lack of a gruesome pun, like, 
it went through their heads, but one of them missed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, I, and also Joel is thinking to himself, like, did I miss on purpose? Like, 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 was Henry so committed to his, like, was he more committed to Sam than I was to Sarah? Like, there's a lot of things mm. that is probably going on in his head, but the thing that yeah. keeps him grounded is trying to, is, is the Ellie purpose. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I loved the panic attacks. I loved the panic mm-hmm. attacks. Oh, yeah. I thought that it just added so much character. Also, I loved Joel in that episode, um, that, that you know, in the Jackson episode, because, like, this is the first time where Joel's emotional life is deviating from the games. In the games, he's more of a stolid kind of to-himself character who has moments sure. of that, um, whereas here, they're giving Pedro Pascal some range, and it doesn't feel out of character ever when he's talking to his brother. Ever. Um, I also like that they gave... Um, um, I love that they gave the um, Sarah reveal to Tommy's um, uh, wife Beyonce. or Beyonce, or wife, yeah. um, because mm-hmm. I think that that shows that like Tommy is totally open with his new family and his new life. Yeah. And he has chosen them because Jackson does radio silence. That's how they, that's one way of protecting themselves. So like Tommy chose his new life over talking to his brother and like you know and i think that that's fascinating because now he's here he's excited but like joel doesn't take it the same way that tommy is no, especially in that bar sequence where they have that conversation about like him becoming being a dad which is an awesome addition um i don't think that's in the game right where tommy's becoming a dad or is it no not at all yeah like all of all of the emotional work that sets these characters up for the next journey whether it's game two or whether it's the second half of the season whether it's tommy understanding why he would even go with ellie and leave his his pregnant wife behind like all of that just like really adds to it um and then the other thing that we haven't even talked at all about is uh ellie and the gun um Ellie mm. taking the gun, then using it on the guy to save Joel, and yeah, then God, um, scene. and then uh, Joel kind of like shook a little bit because he can't hear out of that ear. Again, you have Joel's ear failing him, and then you have him seeing Henry kill himself. So all of that without the subconscious because we don't know the answers yet, but that's all in there. And then you have Joel and Ellie's relationship changing because he's teaching her how to shoot a gun which is so significantly different than his we'll call her a pacifist daughter sarah Mm -hmm. um so i think all of that in these episodes kept me more afloat um than like uh all of that stuff really affected me but i will say i think that the melanie linsky character and that group Mm -hmm. of people if you're going to turn them from anonymous pittsburgh raiders into um like actual people who have mm-hmm. feelings and characters and development. I know we're going from like place to place and we're moving along. I needed a little bit more from the um, from the Kansas City people. I don't know what it is, and mm. I'm not here to give suggestions, but I needed a little bit more because it felt in service of Henry and Sam, and and I it just felt a little bit patchy mm. and holy when it came to thematically what they're adding to the show as opposed to just another society, another group. You know what I mean? So that's my one gripe about these episodes. Grand. Well, Aaron, you want to finish this out? Interesting. With this? Yeah. Well, because just to piggyback off of that, I have the opposite reaction to the Melanie um, Kansas mm. City people, mm. but I'll get to there in a second. Firstly, um, echoing all of pretty much everybody's likes, like Henry and Sam are fantastic. Um, the uh, the 
the the horde is insane, which I loved deeply. I think going off of what Nikisha said, during that first, maybe the first half of the of five was when I was like, I could use some more zombies because I know they're expensive, but I need some more yeah. zombies, guys. Like, <laughs> but I'm yeah, just because I was so like, expensive. okay, we are in we are five episodes in, and we had one episode, so right. I need I need a couple more. Switch the horde satisfied that. Ex- yes. For, for, which I was like, okay, cool, we got him because during the in the game during the whole um, tunnel sequence, there's I mean they're everywhere in the game because that's the gameplay. Um, but when we got down to to Ish's um, uh, to the to the community underground, like there's so many zombies in there because that's what happened. Mm. Like that's why it's empty now. Um, any case, so that was, I could use more zombies. But the zombies that did show up were fantastic. Um, Henry and Sam echoing everybody, that was fantastic. The one thing that I will say in terms of the four and five of it all, the gripes, um, and I can't tell if it's a gripe or not yet, and that's why it's an interesting uh, perspective that Brian brings to the Kansas City people and Melanie specifically. For this Season and I'm and I'll do my best. Yell at me if I accidentally get into spoiler territory for two. Sure, I'm gonna do my best. Um, I think for this season, part one, the expanding of the people who live in this um, taken over QZ was fantastic. I question whether that um, that choice. Ch- uh, does things to where this story goes in the way that like just thematically in two, I'm unsure if we got there too soon because of this moment in one. Um, I'm trying to be as cryptic as possible. Yeah. But I, I, I don't, I, I understand that. I actually think the flip mm-hmm. of that without spoiling anything okay. is I think yeah. that it's just setting up, thematic threads that thematic mm-hmm. threads not narrative threads but thematic threads yeah, yeah, yeah. that will pick up in season and that do pick up in game two and, and stuff I can't like decide that. if that undercuts it or not yeah, I don't either like, I don't know that's what I got yeah so there, there's my I can't I'll, I'll let you know in three years when we get another season um <laughs> yeah but in 20 yeah. so, in 2030 when we're talking about season <laughs> two right <laughs> uh-huh. oh my god um so yeah so that so there's that um I might get controversial. I did not like episode six. Six was the one that I was like, okay, mm. here's where yeah. I'm. Here's where I'm going to Same. not be as happy. Um, I loved. I loved the 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 bringing in of Jackson. I loved the um. I loved everything that we got in the episode. Where I get frustrated about this episode is I think this was the one and arguably only episode where I think the pressure of the game got to the show. Hmm. And I think mm, that is where, like, especially in the iconic scene that everybody knows, especially everybody in the games know, they did it word for word, like, and and they did it basically in the same scene. I don't think, a, because I, I I think either was a podcast or the inside the episode afterward mm-hmm. where I think Bella says that like the pressure of that scene was a yeah. lot that day. It was in that, it was in the, um, it was in the after the episode, episode, like yeah. behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're all, I mean, party line, they're always going to say they, they blew it out of the water. I don't think they blew it out of the water. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I think 
A, because they were being held to such a high standard and memory of, like it was the it was the moment where the show valued the source material over their actors and their performances. Um, in addition to the fact that I don't think that because of the finagling around of the, the show's story, I don't think they earned it either. And that's where I get frustrated because in the game, yeah. Ellie has run away and run to a different house where, the, where this house that they go to is not in Jackson. And mm. so... Tommy and Tommy and Joel have to go find her and they encounter all these raiders, all these people, all these and so they almost have to fight to get to her. And again, it's gameplay, so it's gameplay, but up to this point, the show has been very smart about replacing the gameplay and the stakes in the gameplay with other things that satisfy the need for it. Here I don't think they did because the whole point is you are fighting to get to this girl you pretend you don't even really care about you're mm. fighting to get to her and then you get to the house you have the scene and then they have to fight to get out of the house so despite your so again i'm saying you're because you play as joel b- despite saying you don't care about this girl get out of my face we're done after this you then have to fight to get out of the house so you're still protecting her and you're still playing with her and you're still bonded to her even though you have just said you are not with her and so then after that entire gameplay sequence, you are riding back to Jackson and however much time that takes, by the end of that scene, you get, you get to the moment of like, okay, can, hey, Tommy, can I borrow this, this horse? I'm going to take Ellie to the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. Those moments don't exist in the show. And in fact, like the second part more so than the first it's undercut. Like they they have that scene in the show, and then they go to bed. I'm like, okay, so now we're just gonna. I, I'm supposed to believe that they sleep on it, and now like think that things are different. Things are different. Mm. I'm like, I I don't think that's a strong enough moment. And I'm and sorry if you all get um, comments for this, but I don't think that's a strong that's enough good. moment to drive the change of heart. Um, in okay. terms of where we where we've gotten to and where we are. That on top of the fact that the scene, I'm like, again, everyone knows that this is the iconic scene. If they can't deliver, change the scene. Like, because especially like because iconically, like the line was, everyone has left me, everyone except for you. Mm-hmm. Ashley Johnson added, everyone except for fucking you. And then when you recreate someone's ad lib, it doesn't have the same effect. Interesting. And that's where I'm like, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't correct. And at that point, I'm like, change the scene. Like, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you if the emotional payoff is better. Yeah. And that's, do you that, think that? that, that yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, do you think that if they would have set up the scene better, then it would have been executed better, like with the same verbiage? Maybe, or but again, I think... Or is it solely just, like, both things? Like, a combination of both? I think it's both things because, again, if the actors can say the pressure off the scene is a lot, then the pressure on the scene is a lot. <laughs> like, and if they're yeah. being... Like, if if, if you can tell... Because, again, you can tell the the creators are so reverent with this show. And, like, and it did well. It did, it, like, that that was for good reason. But if they're so reverent that you have to create, like, recreate, basically recreate a scene, 
like shot for shot, note for note, beat for beat, and you can't bring yourself to it as an actor, it's never going to be the same and it's never going to be right. Like, because you're, you're, you're at that point, you're not asking them to play Joel and Ellie. You're asking them to play Troy and Ashley. Mm. Mm, that's fair. And that's different. And that's a different thing you're asking of yeah. your actors. Yeah. And that's how Sue I mean, sees it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, but that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. just to, just to kind of think about like the setup of it all. Cause I, and I agree with you in the sense of there was something that felt like it was missing, but I mean, I've only saw like the game once and you know what the game is. So to be detailed and specific about like why that transition didn't work for you, that makes, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the scene whether, is the big, the biggest gripe more so than the sure. setup and payoff. That's fair. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely fair. Yeah. Brent. Well, shall we get on to the last three episodes? Yeah, The Last of Us. Um, the Last of Us. So the last three episodes are Left Behind, When We All, When We Are in Need, and Look for the Light. So Left Behind is um, Ellie and Joel, an injured Joel, takes shelter, and then we have flashbacks to Ellie's kind of start uh, Ellie being in Fedra and um, and her relationship with the amazing Storm Reed as Riley. Um, so we have that whole sequence, which um, is the DLC for the game. Um, and so that was cool that they included that. And we'll get into all of that. Um, when We Are in Need is the penultimate episode. Um, this is the David episode. This is the James and David cannibal episode. Um and we will get into that, where Ellie at the end com- uh, really commits her first act of true um, desperation violence. Um, mm-hmm. So and, and and so we have that, and then we have Look for the Light, which is the finale, um, where we have the trolley problem in full effect, and starting mm-hmm. specifically uh, with Ashley Johnson playing Ellie's mom, um, Anna. Um, and we get more backstory and Marlene as well as that. And then obviously the season ends with the infamous okay cut to black. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just got goosebumps even saying okay. Um, back to you, Nikisha. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, just go ahead and start it. You're, you're in it to win it now. Oh, sure. Um, what I'll say is that I, um, I actually think that Left Behind was my least favorite episode. Um, I don't think that it needed a full hour, the flashback. I think that we got what we needed in general. Like, um, I thought the performances were strong. I liked learning more about Ellie, but to me, it was more about, and maybe this is because I knew what this was going to be. And I'd love to talk to someone who did not watch it, but to me, it was nice watching it, but I knew it was going to happen. I already had that backstory on Ellie. I didn't need to see it potentially, um, but that's me. I also think it loses Fair. an effect when you're not cutting in between her searching in a mall for mm. the pharmaceuticals and her yeah. having her date in a mall. Um, I think that like juxtaposition was totally missing. Um, mm. That contrast, I should say. Um, but I thought the performances were spectacular. I loved watching them. Um, I, 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 I actually loved the very beginning where like she's actually debating if she should just leave Joel there. And then she thinks back to like her experience not leaving people behind. I also think at the end when um, Ellie's life has been the third option. 
the the officer at the beginning is like, you can either follow this person or this person, and you'll be this kind of person or this kind of person in Fedra. But like her third choice was Fireflies and Joel and totally different. Then you have the end where Riley's like, we could either kill ourselves or spend as much time as we can with each other while we still remember. Ellie has a third option that they don't know about. Like, it's all about those third options. And she can either stay with Joel or leave Joel. And her third option is to try and help Joel, not just stay there and, like, actually do something. Um, uh, so so I, 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 that's my least favorite. I think it was effective. I, I think it was oh, – I think the narrative overstayed its welcome for a full episode. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <clears throat> um, when we are in need, um, I thought that this – first of all – uh, this episode gave me the most anxiety out of all of them because um, yes. because how much penicillin do you give them? I don't know. Where do you put it? Like that whole sequence where she's trying to figure <laughs> out the penicillin? No good. Stressed. Stressed. The whole time stressed. Yeah. Um, when We Are in Need is a great episode. I think all the changes they made to David making him more um, – more of a pedophile and nefarious him being a teacher and then a preacher, I think was just like told you everything you needed to know that like, like certain pedophiles become certain, um, uh, have certain careers. People in careers don't become pedophiles. And I think that that was a perfect way of kind of, you know, conveying that he was always a creeper. Um, I think my gripe with this episode is I needed more time with him and Ellie in the woods they had to in the game they worked together mm. to kill clickers and this one it's just a conversation i i needed 5 more minutes of a connection between the two of them to yeah. set a up montage, more of a montage perhaps a montage perhaps <laughs> more of a, a red herring of who this david guy was because in or the, just or kill clickers right. or kill somebody cuz <laughs> in the end the expanded conversation while she's imprisoned about like how she's violent just like him and that mm. that kind of frightens her because like that's very real like she she feels that inside of her us as an audience member have visually seen that throughout the entirety of the show um and i think that was great um i wanted a little mm. bit more cat and mouse at the end um in the fire uh, but i got what i needed to get out of that in there um but mm. I, overall i thought that episode was great and i actually think one of my favorite moments of the entire show is the end of that episode where joel finds her grabs her his mm. Watches out the same exact visual storytelling as mm-hmm. the first episode, and he says "baby girl," but this time he actually saves her, and because she saves herself, he doesn't need to save her. Yes. She saves herself, and now he has to emotionally save her because that is the moment where Ellie can go one of two ways. She could either go the David path in terms of like just like be unhinged and serve people food that is actually people, you know, like just be like this, like totally violent, unhinged person or go the way of Joel and just being taken care of, be a part of a, have a human connection with somebody else that is important. Um, so I thought that I loved all of that stuff. And then the finale, I think all the additions to the finale are great. I think every, it feels a little bit, it feels a little bit disjointed in some ways. It feels like important vignettes edited together that these conversations need to happen before we get to the end. Um, and mm. I, I think that this show does two things extraordinarily well in the last episode, and then I'll stop, pass it on. The first thing is that I think that the same as the game, 
It doesn't matter if you think Joel is right or wrong. You believe that Joel made the decision that he would make in the moment, and I think the show justified that with every ounce of its being, and that, to me, was going to be the make or break for this entire season. Do I believe that Joel would have made the choice to doom all of humanity in the moment to save this human connection that he has. And is it selfish? Is it selfless? Um, And I think it's a balance of both. And I think that the show really hit a home run when it came to justifying Joel's decision. I think something missing from the end of the game, excuse me, from the end of the show, is you being forced as a player to make Joel's decision. I think that Mm. is a viscerally... um, Mm, That is a viscerally... um, explosive thing at the end of the game where you are forced to kill all the fireflies and save Ellie in a game that promotes like decision making and stuff like that, even though it's, it's a narrative, it's a straight to narrative. There's no if yeah. that or that. So I think that was fascinating. And then the other thing I love is man, this show turned the trolley problem up to 15 because in the game, you only have Joel's relationship with Ellie as the trolley problem. Does Joel save humanity and everybody by going the left, or does he go right? Um, I just did my hands the wrong way. But anyway, um, <laughs> does he go the other way um, and like and and save his individual person? The reason it turned up to 15 is because now Marlene has a backstory of how she is totally intertwined in this. Yes. Ellie's mom was her best friend. She understands who Ellie is and what Ellie is. Ellie's life began with a lie and ended with a lie in some ways. Like it started with that that no, I cut it before. Uh and it ends with the um I swear. And so like her life has changed two ways because of major lies that people who love her are doing to save her, whether it's good or bad for her. I think that was amazing. But having Marlene in that room with Joel, when each of them have have the same invested nature in this girl emotionally have chosen two sides of the trolley problem and how Joel wins out because um, Marlene underestimates him because Marlene doesn't know how much he's changed since the first episode to this episode. And I think that that was crazy impactful um, and truly wonderful. And then the end of this episode, I found it, I liked that Joel made Ellie feel a little bit bad about not being Sarah because in the game, she just, she just has the, um, the um, picture in this one. He's basically like gushing about his dead daughter to a girl who seemingly thinks that she's replacing her. Like he makes her feel that way. And I think that was, that also added to the final okay moment that I don't think the show did. Um, And then the draft scene is great. Anyway, back to you, Nikisha. (laughs) Yeah. All great. Jamie, do you want to go next? Um, Yes, I do. Uh, shout out to the drafts that were both real and fake. Um, I think so. The yeah, hardest workers right. yeah. in Hollywood, those drafts. Um, I was like, I couldn't remember when that scene took place. And I was like, we better get giraffes. And then it came and I was like, oh, we got the giraffes. I'm so happy. Um, I love that scene in the game. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, um, it's the calm before the storm. I know. Um, I So I agree about Left Behind. I don't know what it is about it. Like, there's still – I was still really excited to get it. Um, and I was fine that it was, like, the full episode because, I mean, I think it's, like, long enough DLC to kind of – when you think about DLC and like adding something to a game and it being effective, I think that they make it compelling enough where it's like, 
oh, this is like extra stuff that we're getting that they weren't totally sure how to like put it into the main story, but like we're still learning more. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I can't quite put a finger on it. Um, I also really like Storm Reed and there was something that maybe felt like off about her being in this role. But again, I don't really know. Mm. I don't really know what it is. Um, Actually, can I uh, jump in here for one second, Jamie? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Bella Ramsey looks so young that anyone playing against her feels so much more <laughs> older or more mature than she is. But mm. it's just the way she visually looks. That was something that I had to say about that. I think that's totally not valid and not fair. But like, it is what it is. That that's sure. that's that's something that I would say about that moment. Anyway, but sorry. Yeah. No, I mean that's like an interesting point. Also, um, Storm Reed's like really, really fucking tall. <laughs> <laughs> like there. she's yeah. just so much sure. taller. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I still really liked that end scene, um, of them, like finally sharing that kiss and then them talking about like, you know, going mad and it's all romantic. Like I still, that was still really effective. Um, and just seeing Ellie like rage out in that moment, also very effective compared to like compared to her bestie and and like just seeing, you know, we're seeing pieces of Ellie in the past, but it still connects back to like who she's becoming in the present. Um, so that was great. I didn't really like watching her. So um, Joel's wound, that was gross. Um, and oh, like, did yeah. she like clean it? I don't know. I was like, is this like helping or hurting? I I can't tell. So my gripe she is was that doing the best with what she got. Yeah, my gripe is like people. Everyone needs first aid training to figure out if like these things are are real and, and doable. Um, but yes, the penultimate episode was the one that I was most excited about. Um, again, it's like you're getting Ellie on her own, and like this is the first time that you're you're like playing as her. And then I think they also do like the cutback. Cause I was thinking like how, how at some point Joel is like going to wake up and then he's going to try to find her. Um, and again, they like make you think that he's going to be the one to save her, but Ellie saves herself. And that's really important. Um, man, David, everything that Brian said, I agree with, um, just so, so terrifying. And, and again, even though I have like a general gripe, my gripe is more just about like stereotypes and, and horror and like themes that come up all the time and like the tropes that I'm Mm. tired of. Um, but David's just so good at being terrifying that it like all of my annoyances of seeing the same trope of like, here's another man being evil in the apocalypse, like surprise, surprise, but like, he's just so good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he he's right. just like he's just so good. Um, and it, yeah, like I could have watched him and Ellie interact all day, and then you know finally when she, when he's like over her and she's like fighting back, um, and he's like fuck this, I'm I'm done with you now. I am gonna eat you. Um, it's just like it's so. I, I, yeah, I, I wish there was a little bit more of the cat and mouse to like amp up the anxiety about like, oh no, like, like bringing it closer together between like Joel getting super close, but then Ellie, you know, overcoming David. Um, but that scene of her giving him what's coming 
is so good. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, more blood, more blood. <laughs> yes. it was, I was just like eating it up, not literally, because um, I'm not a cannibal. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and showing and only showing it from Ellie's perspective and not showing the brutality yes. that happened was so yeah. much more effective. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and having just, to go a little can, longer than it needed to. Yeah. 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 It's just like the blind rage that she's in in that moment. And also like the fear, like it's like driven by the fear of like what this guy mm-hmm was going to do to her but also just the the that like inner rage that like he he did kind of spot in her but you know that that like comes out in these moments and it's like okay I this is like a a scary version of Ellie and I'm very interested to see like you know where do we go from here knowing that this is like under the surface um and then the scene of them coming together uh you know, I mean, my TikTok was was completely overblown with baby. I was on baby girl TikTok for like a good 48 <laughs> hours after. Baby girl TikTok. Baby girl TikTok. Oh, oh man. It was, I wasn't Amazing. even seeking Fantastic. out this content. It just like, it just happened. Um, it pops up. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. So then we get to the end and yeah, I agree. I, Brian and I were like talking after and I was like, I really think that it was so important to give us more with Marlene to show just how painful it is that she is doing this as well. And it's Mm -hmm. not just Joel. It's not just like Joel's connection, but like Marlene actually is doing something like similarly really painful and difficult and traumatic. And like, I'm glad that we got more to make that decision more complicated. Um, And again, like, you know, we can argue about whether or not Joel is right or wrong, but I think that's what Mm. makes this entire story so effective is that question at the end. We just watched and experienced this whole journey of these two growing to love and care deeply for one another. And, and then he makes a choice and, you know, that, that choice seemingly will have consequences and we don't yet know what they're going to be, but whether it's like small or big, like micro or macro, we can, we can infer that like their relationship now, like she, she, you can tell that she knows that he's not being totally honest. And like, what does this mean for their relationship when they had grown so close and bonded in this way? And Mm -hmm. he's viewing her as, as like his daughter now, like what happens, what happens now to them what happens, you know, to the the pandemic is at large and like, are there other people like her? Was this a one-off? Like, you know, what about the doctor that got killed? Like, are there other doctors? Like, there's just so many questions that are posed and, you know, it's really, it's really interesting. But um, yeah, I love this story so much. And I was like, really not okay when it ended. I like, <laughs> I was like crying and Brian's like, do you, can I do anything? And I was like, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just really you? sad. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Do you want a PS5 Aaron, want now? We can go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> um, so, okay. So let me start at um, eight and then I'll go seven, nine. Um, so David episode, I loved all. It was great. It was, it, 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 I was stressed about it because I was like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? It was, it was weird because the guy playing David, I feel like was less creepier on the show, which made him more creepy. 
mm. in like generally because I feel like Nolan North's portrayal of it on in the game is he like ha- he has a creepy voice like you know he's creepy from the get but like Scott Shepard I think is his name on the show is like he's more even keeled and of course we had we got to start with a Bible quote, God forbid, and then um, which <laughs> already it. tells you exactly who he is. Yeah, and yeah, and it makes it even that trope kind of undercuts worse. like the surprise in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Oh, a, well, a, a, a Bible reading like like leader like no way this ends well. Exactly. Um, and then shout out to Troy. Accurate. Shout out to Troy Baker. Yeah. Played James Gray. Right. OG Joel. Oh, I was waiting for that. OG Joel. Yep. Joel's here. <laughs> and I love that, like, Ellie killed Joel. Like, oops. Like, sorry. Um, oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, aside from all the things that you guys have all mentioned, because I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, one thing that I did love most about the about episode eight was that we started to see after after penicillin works its magic because apparently when you get too much penicillin it works like Celsius. Um, <laughs> it like you start you sort of started to see Joel's God mode for lack of a better term. Oh yeah, where like he like when he starts torturing those two guys to find out where Ellie is. Like, what a precursor to get into um, episode nine, which I'll get to yeah, in a second. Yeah. Um, the one thing, and I don't think it's a gripe because I think intellectually it's a better choice the way they did it in the show. In the because I was expecting it, and because this is the way it goes in the game, um, Ellie is going to town on David, and Joel picks her up from there and hu- and holds mm. her and hugs her from like. Like he, like she goes to town. No, no question. He has no face. He has no nothing. <laughs> but like, he picks her up right in her trauma and like tells her that it's gonna be okay. Comforts her there versus uh, like m- making her finish David, put the fire out, bust out of the door, and then Joel's there. Mm. Again, I think like it gives her more agency. So intellectually, I feel like it's the writer choice. Of the way the show did it, but like viscerally, I was like, okay, okay, let's stop her now. Let's like comfort her immediately. And that's sort of what I missed about that. Cause in the game, it like, he holds her, it fades to black. She's like coming down and like being comforted and it fades to black. And then we go to spring. But so I think, I think I'm, I, I, I'm of two minds on that, on that moment. So, uh, so left behind, I love. I love Left Behind. I think it's because of the way that I experienced it. Again, because I I played the DLC um, with the way it exists in the game. So it sort of feels like a prequel rather than like in-game middle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so finding out that stuff was very exciting to me. Um, What what excited me most about it was watching the end and then knowing how the story goes – Doing the math in my own head, because in the game it's not spelled out because it's acted as a prequel. You have to do your own math in realizing that Ellie killed Riley mm-hmm. because El- because Riley turned and Ellie didn't. So she had to watch her. After having this beautiful speech, you envision that Ellie, Ellie wasn't changing. Riley was. And Ellie had to pick up Riley's gun and kill Riley and then walk out of that mall like by herself, Mm. like it's an like, yeah. And so like that 
like, has its own level of trauma to me. A, because I experienced the game. But B, like, realizing that in my own brain, like, holy crap, after the beautiful date that they have. Um, which, which some of those details are different than in the show, which um, is... It, it's its own beauty. Um, they can actually play Mortal the, Kombat instead of the generic They can actually game. play Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But um, I think why it exists, I, and I didn't realize it until after I saw episode nine, was the parallels that you draw between Anna and Marlene and Ellie and Riley. Hmm. Because that's when I was just like, oh, that's why this is here. Because, like they're as good of friends as those were and one had to kill the other and that's that mm. adds to Marlene's sort of churn because you get not the same but similar not to mention that Ashley is playing Anna mm-hmm. like all of these sense memories just come back and you're like oh this is deepening not only Marlene's character but that relationship far deeper especially after having seen Left Behind uh, in, in, in context of the show um, I think the, the episode nine is fantastic. Again, I won't repeat everything that you guys said because it's all great. Um, Joel's God mode. Joel's God mode was my favorite, was one of my favorite sequences. I mean, cause again, like in the same way Brian said that like the game forces you to play, you can't play. So we got to watch him play mm-hmm. and it's full gameplay, like from third person. But what I loved most about it was the orchestration because it's the theme music. It's the theme music that we've been hearing the whole game, the whole game, the whole show uh, played on guitar and it's like orchestrated. It's very, it gets like the Game of Thrones treatment where it's just like symphonic and strings and everything. And it's so triumphant and tragic at the same time because then you just see like all the bodies in his wake. And you, again, we know him. And so we know because we're aligned with him, quote unquote, we know that his 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 motivation is just, but we still see all the bodies that he has now left. Even the ones that tried to surrender. We just see the bodies. Yeah. And he is in full he is in full health, full like all ammoed up, like every ver- every like cheat code has been applied and he is <laughs> going. And yeah, and so and then where this episode differs from episode six is that that entire end sequence is shot for shot, beat for beat. Everyone yep. is doing the thing. But I think that's when, and I think that I forget which, again, either the inside of the episode or the podcast where they were talking about how they directed the scene. And I was like, you directed the scene. So they're still playing Joel and Ellie. You're not asking them to recreate anything. Mm. And it gets mm. to be just as iconic and it is, and it's fantastic, and it's, and it has the payoff that it needs, and yeah. that's the way we should end the show because that's right, and it's wonderful. Um, yeah. Did I have any gripes? I don't know if I had any. Gri- ah, more <laughs> zombies again. More. I need more sure. zombies. Like have all to. of the issues that we've all had gripes with. I'm like, that episode nine is the episode where I'm like, this is great. We. I know we've met, we paid a lot of money, but like. For a zombie show, we need zombies. Like, yeah, I needed more than one, more than one bloater at the in at the end of halfway through the episode, uh, uh, right? Ha- uh, halfway through the season, because right. yeah, like there was to say what you were to speak on what you were saying, Brian. I'm like, what would have bonded David and Ellie 
was fighting zombies. What would have like elevated the, you know how much we fought to get here, like to mm. the fireflies was a couple more zombies. Like, like, yeah. So I think while the show did fantastic in its, in, in its portrayal of this game, I think towards the end, because there was so much to do, I think we sacrificed sort of the stakes that the zombies, I think we, we, I think we like, we lost some of the stakes that the zombies brought um, Mm -hmm. without replacing it with anything else. And that was, yeah. Yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. That would be the whole, like for me, if I had to pick one gripe and a number one gripe is give me, give me more zombies because, you know, what, and, and not just for the intellectual answer that Aaron is giving of like elevating plot points and story. It's just because yes, it's a zombie zombie show. show. It's a zombie show. So like, give me the zombies in the most like generic general sense of it all. So yes, I will say everyone has, has said all the things except I, I really enjoyed Left Behind. I started to watch the playthrough of it, but I didn't uh, completely finish it. My only kind of gripe was, and I was talking to uh, my roommate as we were watching this, and she brought up the point of it. it we don't need to see uh, Ellie kill Riley, right? But it would have been nice to have seen the moment that Ellie realized that she was immune I don't know. For some reason, oh, I would have enjoyed just that, like mm. that sequence mm. of it all. So I agreed with with her. Yeah, that's that. interesting. Like to see, you know, we see so much of her not understanding it. And like with Sam and all of that, like that would have been mm-hmm. fascinating to see mm-hmm. the first moment of confusion. Yeah, I don't know. It just would have added something uh, to the whole thing of her just realizing in that moment um, who she was, you know, uh, and what she could be for humanity and, and all that stuff, you know. So, and it is, it's also, it was nice watching Left Behind because sometimes you just kind of forget that Ellie grew up in a post apocalyptic world. And so it was sure. really nice to just see her be a kid and just enjoy just simple things, even the, the cute like escalators. Oh, scene. I love And mm-hmm. she's just like, what is this? That's actually one of my favorite moments in the whole series. Yeah, oh, it was just a, it was a really nice moment. Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, that 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 part took my breath away too. Also because of yeah. how it's underscored, because it's with a song that is prominent in part two as well. Spoiler mm, alert! But yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just loved watching Ellie be a kid, and I think that's really why I enjoyed episode seven so much because Ellie has gone through that and just for her to relax in a moment, even though we know there's not going to be any kind of happy ending. <laughs> To this, they already alluded that Ellie has already killed somebody, and so we can only assume that the first person that she killed was Riley. So mm-hmm. we already know that that's going to be like a bad. But just in those moments, to have a long sequence of her just in a really happy place was really nice to to see. Episode eight. At the top of my notes, I wrote, "I forgot about the cannibals." Oh damn! Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Cannibals. Completely forgot about them, and so. That episode was crazy, and that became my top episode of the whole series for me. 
because it was just the right amount of gore and just the right amount of chaos and just the right amount mm-hmm. of stakes and the fact that Ellie is saving herself, it just was all such a, a great moment that I enjoyed from top to bottom. And of course, like we said, seeing OG Joel was uh, super great. And then episode nine, yeah, shot for shot, it was really uh, effective, even though it was like shot for shot. But I think it was because how everything was being set up and just adding that little bit at the beginning, the flashback also, I think, kind of assisted in uh, not needing to add much more um, for what the end of part one was. And so, yeah, I think it was it was super effective. Um, we talk about the trolley problem and it's always hard to figure out if you're for Joel or not for Joel for his decision making. But all in all, I think it was a great way to end um, everything in, in the TV series. So uh, thoroughly enjoyed how it all ended. And I remembered what that was, how the whole hospital scene and everything. So I was like, oh, OK, so this is exactly what it is. And it was still satisfying. Mm. So it's always nice when it can just be shot for shot and still um, hold up. Uh, to, you know, what everything should be. Um, and with that, I did want to ask, like, a question for Jamie, and it could be just for, you know, everyone I know. But can we just talk about, like, real quick, in this world, in this post-apocalyptic world, um, how it can change your moral compass and why we tend to accept that change of moral compass as viewers of the show? Hmm. Also a great question. Um, <laughs> good question. Um, Snaps. Yeah, I mean, it I mean, is it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. Like, I don't know. It, I think there's something connecting to like empathy where like the idea of empathy is like putting yourself in the shoes of somebody else, even if you haven't necessarily lived that experience. And, you know, hopefully none of us have experienced this type of apocalypse that we're watching on screen. But like, I think, I think when you add the relationships into it and like that desperation is like how you Mm -hmm. build in the empathy where it's like, oh, maybe I can believe that people are willing to like do these things because Mm. they're more desperate. And like, because there's less resources and like, again, it's like, how do you, how do you compare the, the cannibal group to the Jackson Wyoming group? And like, what is, what's working for one group that like, isn't working for another group? Um, yeah. And like, is it like the questions I was saying before, like, is it the people? Is it how, is it choosing to do a more like commune like communist society versus electing a leader and having like the one leader Mm. kind of be responsible for for things but I think that like I think that the empathy of like someone being really desperate for something I mean this is like maybe not the best example but it it makes me think of starry eyes which we've covered Mm. before and like what someone would do like to get what they wanted. Sure. What are the things that somebody would do to like achieve their goal, no matter what it takes? 
and like applying that same. So it's like that there's the empathy, right? It's like, oh, I I haven't lived through this experience, but I could think about the time where like I, you know, was like, I have to do this thing. I have to protect my own. Oh, when it comes to my family, like I will do whatever it takes to protect my people. And like that, Mm -hmm. that connection I think is what allows for the audience to have more understanding for people who are like willing to let their, their moral compasses go a little bit to, to be a little bit more flexible with that moral compass and, and like to, to protect what's important to, for them or like to, you know, accomplish whatever it is that they need to accomplish. Amazing. Well, we're already into it and I just have one more question. So it wouldn't be talking horror without mm, brains. So here is the official, official question for our mm, brains section. And I'm sure we can all just kind of put in our input on this. But my general overall question is in question, (laughs) general overall question Uh, in this post apocalyptic world, you know, there is a lot of death that is inevitable and you get used to that. And, um, you know, you, but your mind still has to grieve the losses. Yeah. So can we talk about how this world has affected how Joel and Ellie have dealt with their grief when they lose people? And was it believable? Like Joel losing Tess and Ellie's reaction to losing Sam. Can we just talk about how they, and, and how that has changed throughout the show as they lose different people, how their grief has changed? Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking a little bit about Ellie before and just like her experiencing all of these losses and traumas and like, how is that impacting her character over time? And like Joel as an adult, what he's like 50 when all of this is happening, like when we're seeing him in like the, the future present time. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. He like, he's seen some shit and i i can believe that this that this guy has gone through so much transition like again he's had the transition time he's seen what the world was before and then like right. the point where things changed and then everything moving forward so not only has he experienced like the people losses but he's also experienced like the he's grieving a world that doesn't exist anymore like that on top of it, which is something that I've talked with like clients about of, of, you know, how is, how has our real pandemic changed our lives where like we've had to grieve, you know, access to things or, or people or like just our routines that we lost access to. Like we, we, you know, there are certain things that like we haven't returned to and like our lives have fundamentally changed and we're grieving those losses. I, I believe that Joel is like this more hardened person that has a harder time letting people in because of these things that happened. Like his relationship with Tess, even though we only get them together for a brief period of time, it's like at this current stage where Joel is at now, it's going to be very hard for him to let anyone in and trust anyone. Right. So we right. have to assume that like when he connected with Tess there was some moment where like he still had like a smidge ability to be vulnerable with someone else because I really don't think that the Joel in, you know, where we start a post all of the apocalypse stuff, like that Joel is not letting anybody in. 
And I believe that. I believe that like the impact of all of these traumas and grief have have closed him off to the world and letting anyone in, which like only makes it even more compelling when he has thrust upon him this new responsibility of taking care of this young person and like, you know, what's, what has to happen in order for them to build this relationship. And like, you know, in their case, unfortunately, it's like more trauma, which is disappointing, but, um, but it is that shared trauma that allows him to be vulnerable with her because she's a young person who hasn't, she's experienced loss, but now she's experiencing way more loss in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And like, and he's doing a really bad job at like talking it through with her, but that's like his own stuff. That's his own like inability to tap into that vulnerability and be like, oh yeah. I mean, there is this, the part where he says like, you know, a young person, like kids shouldn't have to go through this stuff. So like he's able to recognize the impact that this is going to have on her. And that's like after her, her second kill with the gun that she had stolen. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that, I mean, for me, that was like hard to watch when that guy was like calling for his mom. I was like, I was so uncomfortable. It's just like that really, really messed me up. Let's use his proper name in the show, Brian. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Jeez. Poor Brian. Um Poor Brian. Uh, yeah, that was it was all bad. Anyway, so that's my thesis. My thesis is I do think that it's believable and like seeing it on different beats for people who like both experience things differently, but then also when they have those shared experiences, like that's what allows them to like, you know build that vulnerability with one another because they're going through that together. Um, and it, it like opens up Joel in a way where like, I don't think with, I don't think that there would have been any other circumstance where he's like letting anybody new in at this point in his life. Yeah, no, that, that tracks and that absolutely makes sense. Great. Fantastical. Oh yes. Uh, sorry. Not Brian. Aaron. <laughs> I have a question. It's sort of an umbrains, but doesn't really have anything to do with the show's content. More mm-hmm. so that like in the way you experience the story. So I've been talking to a lot of people who like just watch the show or played the game and watching the show or whatever. And it's been interesting to hear the differences in the way we're taking this story that we like are learning or already know. And I just wanted to pose this to the to, well, Jamie, but w- like in this room that we, in this Riverside room that we have, like you two, <laughs> like you two, Brian and Jamie, like you watched a not like a stranger play through the game and then you watched the show. Nikisha, you played with me, but I was playing the game, but you were like with my like experience playing the game and getting caught up in like that same way watching the game. And then watch the show. I I have very visceral feelings and emotions tied into playing the game. And then I watch the show. It's an interesting... And I wanted to just ask you, Jamie, in terms of like how... D- does sort of like... Because it, cause it definitely see, seems that like people's experiences just watching versus playing has been very different and it I can only 
say because there's that like immersive quality to playing a game. Mm-hmm. How does sort of the sort of trauma's too strong, but like that sort of fight or flight, like what, like how does that those reactions when playing a game versus watching a show differ? bodily like like yeah. does your does your brain know the difference does your do your hormones know the difference when you're like jump like because again because we're because there's watching a piece of media and then immersing yourself in that piece of media where you're quote unquote making the choices mm-hmm. how does that change your experience and how does your body react to those different experiences yeah i think that's a great question because i think about that when i like watching uh, horror content versus playing horror content. Like I also mm-hmm. play video games. Um, I also have a Twitch channel where I play video games on Twitch. Yeah. And sometimes people really like it when I am <laughs> spooked and scared, which playing games happens to me way more easily than it does watching other horror content. When I watch scary movies and scary TV shows, I am not as scared because there's that element of control of like, I'm choosing to watch this thing, but like, I'm not in it. I'm just, I'm experiencing it, but like, you know, there's distance there when for some reason, at least for me, this, I'm just talking about myself when I am playing a horror game, there's this added level of like being immersed in the story because you now are in control of the character who's going through it. And that is scarier to me. It's way, it feels way scarier because now you've like introduced that like, I am in it. I'm a part of this narrative. If I'm watching a scary movie, I'm not a part of it. I'm watching these like, you know, dumb teenagers make terrible decisions and then all end up slashed. Like I'm not a part of that experience. I'm like scrutinizing them for going through it. But when I'm playing a game, as far as I'm concerned, I'm in it. And now I'm I'm fucking terrified and I'm I'm screaming into my microphone frequently. So <laughs> that's I definitely think that there is this like different like I don't know, something about the the mentality of that. And I like I'm not even talking about like VR, like virtual reality where you like wear the headset and it like looks like you're walking through like a spooky, you know, game setup. Like even just like you know, on my computer screen with my, with my, um, controller, like it just like, especially if you're in the first person view and you're not Mm. seeing the character, like I, as far as I know, I'm the one who like picked up this object. I'm the one who's like controlling the environment. And now it's way scarier because like I have involved myself into this spooky narrative. So I feel like the, yeah, like, you know, the adrenaline is pumping more and I'm, I'm way more easily startled because I, I have now become a part of this scary movie. <laughs> and I think that lends itself interestingly to why this is a, this is why this is an incredible video game adaptation because the gameplay is the in-between the game, the, the gameplay is getting from place to place or doing thing to thing. The gameplay is not the narrative. And and in a lot of games, the narrative is the gameplay, and there's not much more to that. So you have to basically in you keep the character, but you have to invent a scenario for them that takes pieces from the game. But it's leaving. But the main focus of the game is that gameplay is like the actual being immersed in it. Whereas I would argue that The Last of Us is not is is a better immersive movie 
the game than it is actual video mm-hmm. game. Again, that's a debatable what we define as video game, but I think that's why sure. the the actual adaptation works is because the narrative with a beginning, middle, and end and characters and thematic elements and how the game ends up making you feel, which the movie can do, the TV show can do as well, is why this is an excellent adaptation as opposed to like Uncharted or like something that you think has a narrative, but when it really comes down to it, you're just like, you're just reverse engineering an Indiana Jones movie. Like, like mm-hmm. so uh, same thing with Tomb Raider. That's never really worked. You know, like, there's there's a lot of those out there. Um, but I think that is one of the reasons why this is one of the best, if not the best, uh, video game adaptation, because the work was kind of already done by Druckmann and team at Naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All great points, guys. Well, with that said, should we Rotten Tomatoes this? Yes. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Let's Rotten Tomatoes this bad boy. Okay, uh, what do you think all of season one has on Rotten Tomatoes? Hmm. I mean, it. Last week was the was the finale. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say ninety nine. I was gonna say ninety three. I uh, I feel like it's really high. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ninety eight. All right. Um, it has a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, right. Nice. Um, the audience score is an eighty nine percent. I would probably guess they wanted more zombies. Uh, that that's the main complaint I've I mean, heard on the internet to be. and in this podcast. Hashtag yeah, more zombies. Mori. More. More. More mushrooms, please. Um, the critic yes. consensus is retaining the most addictive aspects of its beloved source material while digging deeper into the story. The Last of Us is binge-worthy TV that ranks among the all-time greatest video game adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hands down. Also, Agreed. it's probably right. easier to do a video game adaptation over the course of nine episodes than two and a half hours. Hmm. Like as a movie. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For um, sure. Cool. So let's jump into our four S's. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We're going to rank these one through ten skull scares and shakes. Skulls is how well it handles mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. And shakes is how this will, can you shake it off? Will this last with you? Um, and then suggestions is, let, let's suggest something else to fill that, uh, that, uh, that last of us Sunday night void. Um, uh, Jamie, let's start with you. <laughs> Sure. I I actually like forgot about doing this, so I'm going to do it on the fly, but I mean, it's like, you know, probably probably easier like a hundreds across the board. Yeah. Um yeah, so for skulls, I'm giving this a 9 um because I I really do like believe in the characters, how they develop over time, the impact of like what living through this experience and world would do to somebody, um, the, like how people are connecting with one another. Um, it just, it feels very grounded. Um, so I don't really know why I took one point off. I'm sure I have some good reason. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
for for scares, um, I'm gonna give this a six point five. Um, and and that's even having like, you know, watched through the whole game. So like knowing what's gonna happen, but there's still so many moments of like anxiety, things can still turn left and like you don't know when it's gonna happen. Um, so much weight is on that penultimate episode with David and just like the sheer horror and terror that his character brings to the story. Um, but I mean, yeah, like the, the, the clicker, uh, scene in episode two was like really scary. The design of the clickers, the sound, the like, ah, like I, oh man, that sound, it's so uncomfortable. It's, it's, ugh. it just like, yeah, it makes me want to puke. Um, so yeah, it's scary. Uh, for shakes, I'm giving this a 10. Like I haven't stopped thinking about this story since I first watched the whole walkthrough. Um, I watched it twice because I wanted to make Brian watch the first one before I watched the second one. And I was totally fine with going through it again. Um, it's just, it's just so compelling. And I think Everybody should either check out the game or at least watch this if you want to decide if you want to check out the game. Um, but PS5s are apparently more accessible, <laughs> so everyone should get one. Nikisha? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give the skulls an eight uh, for human behavior. I think, you know, it's good decision making all around. Scares, I'm sorry, I'm giving it a four because more zombies, okay? And Shakes, I'm going to give it a nine. I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching this. And I think to fill the void as a suggestion, as I've already mentioned, you should watch seasons one through four of The Walking Dead because you will get all of the character development, all of the gore, and so many effing zombies. It's ridiculous. So I'm only on season four, so that can only suggest up to season four. But when I tell you one through four is impeccable, no, no. Well, season one's a little dated for sure but after that no notes it's fantastic <laughs> um yeah someone who has watched the walking dead uh you, you, you could one through four is a good place and then you can pick and choose after that because <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right now it's like impeccable <laughs> so it's like the gray's anatomy of, of yeah exactly movies. great yeah uh, jamie yeah, did you have sure. a suggestion oh um yes uh 28 days later yeah, that's a great one. That is a great one because also that's debatable if those are zombies as well in terms of like, mm-hmm. like that's awesome. Mm. It's just rage, baby. It's rage. Oh, don't get blood in your eye. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, spoiler. <laughs> uh, great scene. Um, Aaron. <laughs> uh, skulls, 10. Yes, for all of the things mm-hmm. we mentioned. Um, scares, yes. Also, maybe four, five, six area, area because I need some mm-hmm. zombies. Um because that's what the show's about, technically. Um, I'll go a little bit higher. I'll go, like, five to seven, because where they lacked in zombies, they made up for in, David. like, human... Ex- yeah, human Ew, extremes. David. So I was like, okay, let, they're scary. Ew, <laughs> Death. Um, that was fantastic. Shakes, I'm going to... I mean, like, I'm going to say 20, because I've been here since <laughs> this first started, and I keep playing it, and I keep watching it, and it's... Always great, and it's always fantastic. Um, suggestions, here's where it gets a few a few things. If you want more of this, like, specific content, I would suggest, you don't even listen to the whole thing, the last episode of the Companion podcast. 
Mm. Um, episode nine of the official Last of Us, whatever, whatever. It's with yeah. the two. It's with the two creators. The and and Troy Baker who hosts and Ashley Johnson who plays Ellie mm-hmm. in the game. Oh, it's great. like an hour and a half talk, and I I've already listened to it like two or three mm. times. It's fantastic. Nice. Um, if you want, this is gonna be the silly one. Um, I would recommend like. I would recommend like Matilda or anything where the creator has the um, has the reins, like yeah. has mm-hmm. the steering wheel for like the the adaptation of it. Mm-hmm. Because literally, this came out at the same time Matilda came out, and I literally was like, "Is this the secret sauce? You just give you give the keys to the original mm-hmm. creators, and then they'll do it right." Yeah. Because here we then are. Why don't you think of that in the first place? Like Neil Druckmann. Like if this if this was in in any hands other than Neil Druckmann, this would not have been as good. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. bang. Um, and then my just general suggestion, PS3s are very on sale right now, I assume. <laughs> so go out and get one and play this game. Like, play yes. the play this game. If you want to, like, dive in, even even a PS4, play this game, play the second game. If you need a, if you've already played this game and you need a recommendation, just in terms of the dystopian worlds, that with, with, with not necessarily a horror, but, like, a fascinating story around like a post apocalypse, Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. Mm, nice. Brian? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I'm going to give this a nine for Skulls. Um, I'm going to give this a four for Scares. I, it, it wasn't scary. Like, like, but like, there were scary moments like David and stuff, but like from a clicker perspective, I didn't find it too scary. Um, uh, shakes, I'm giving it a nine, one for each episode. I didn't want to give it a ten because mm-hmm. I want to give season two the benefit of the doubt. The death had to work to be perfect. Um, so I'm giving that a nine. Yeah. Okay. And I have three suggestions. Um, if you want a movie that... Um, uh, all three of the things that I am mentioning are more hopeful than this is. Um, one, uh, if you want a movie, watch Children of Men. Mm. Uh, and if mm. you want a pretty bleak tv show but is is hopeful in the end uh the leftovers um oh uh, leftovers is one of the greatest television shows of all time it's three episodes three seasons it's it's perfect um uh, and if you're turned off by the first season don't turn it off keep watching seasons two and three are pinnacle of television um i I co-sign on that because i fell off and then i re I've tried. I still can't get through season one. (laughs) That's an example of the creator of the book that it's based on not being involved and it actually improving the material, at least in seasons two and three, when they're inventing their own way forward. Um, And then my number one suggestion, if you want to fill this void, is watch Station Eleven. Um, the adaptation of Station mm-hmm. Eleven, all those episodes are on HBO Max. Um, it is a post-apocalypse trigger warnings um, because it takes place during a pandemic similar to the one that we experienced, um, but it goes a little bit further than we experienced, and it's truly heartbreaking, sob-fest, th- thematically incredible. Um, it's it's one of the best things I've ever watched as well. Um, I would highly suggest that too. So, Station Eleven, Children of Men, and The Leftovers. If you want to fill that that uh, Last of Us gap in your heart, 
Fantastic. Well, that about wraps up our episode of The Last of Us. You can follow us on all of the social medias and the Instagram and the Twitter and the TikTok at TalkHorrorPod. And you can also find us on the YouTubes if you want to see our faces talking about all of the things. Hello, everybody in YouTube land. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. So Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And thank you. Beautiful. Well, I think the only way that we can end this is not only clicker sounds, but also hashtag endure and survive. (laughs) R.I.P. Sam. But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye.